Hello, and welcome to Buddies Without Borders, the podcast that steadfastly refuses to have a tagline. <laughs> My name's Steve Jackson. I'm an actor, writer, producer in Vancouver, BC. My name is Christopher Royce. I am a writer and a podcaster in the San Francisco Bay Area. And I say, if you're going to refuse to do something, do it steadfastly. <laughs> right. I feel like we should just lean into it at this point. We we never finalized a tagline for this. We batted a few around a long time ago. We forgot about it. We gave up on it. And now we just, I I choose to believe that we are refusing. The tagline is the podcast without a tagline. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast were Canadian and an American discuss pop culture things from their differing but also quite similar points of view <laughs> the podcast where a canadian and american refuse to have a tagline <laughs> <laughs> we are united on that front <laughs> this is our own little north american accord <laughs> that's right yeah we we signed a, a treaty between our two countries <laughs> it involves only the two of us no one else is beholden to this but we did send CC copies to the Biden administration and to the Trudeau. <laughs> I can't even say that with such a stupid, stupid bit. I the Canadian government. <laughs> yeah. Interestingly, we don't refer to it um, as as an administration or as in terms yeah. of who the prime minister is. We don't. That's part of why I fell apart, because I was like, this is yeah. so dumb. And also, I don't even know if this is the right words. So uh, a previous prime minister, Stephen Harper, tried. He tried to keep calling it the Harper government. And most oh, of Canada yeah. was like, no, that's Hard not pass. what this is. This is the government of Canada featuring current dude in charge. So he's like the front man. Well, yeah, because the way, I mean, this wasn't supposed to be a politics lesson, but very quickly, the way it works is we don't vote for the person, we vote for the party. So yeah. the party with the most seats forms the government and then the leader of that party who is chosen only by that party not by the public yeah. becomes the prime minister so you can get rid of a prime minister without getting rid of a party yep like if we wanted to we could keep the liberals in charge with someone other than justin trudeau and it yeah. would still be a liberal government and it would still be the government of canada and it's not i mean now you'll hear things like the trudeau government but that's yeah. not that's not that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works, as the excellent meme says. Um, I think that's yeah, that's more of a probably a media thing, maybe even an American media label. It's it's Stephen Harper was trying to. Oh, OK. Um, he he was sort of, I think, trying to mirror the American yeah. government, like the Biden administration, for instance, yeah. although we're talking way back when. I mean, so I the, think I think second Bush was in charge when we first got Harper. <laughs> um, so he wanted to call it the Harper government and he yeah. semi succeeded. But most of us were just like, no, it's not yours. We could replace you tomorrow. And it was yeah. still like, no, uh, we none of us voted for you except the people who wore specific <laughs> riding. Even people who voted for your party didn't vote for you. That's not how it goes. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Canada is having a federal election soon, September 20th. My fellow Canadians, please vote. Please do not vote out of spite. <laughs> the conservatives well, would not have handled the pandemic better. Get over it. Please yeah. vote. Uh, might as well put, throw my own PSA in here is that in California, yeah. we're having mm -hmm. 
you wouldn't think it was possible, but a dumber election than many of the others. (laughs) California has this idiot rule where you can decide we don't want to have our governor anymore. And the last time we did it, we got Schwarzenegger, who strangely enough was not the worst governor we've ever had. High voice. Weirdly, he was okay. Which, you know, had a good business sense. Uh, I don't know. We don't need to talk about his personal life, but here, your 10 second review of his governorship. Not that bad. Yeah, like politically, he he to me is kind of the definition of a fiscal conservative. Yes. That's mostly he's not a social conservative. Correct. He's like like the last moderate Republican in American politics. He he didn't want to divorce gay people. He didn't, you know, like he he I don't think he's really he doesn't fall under the banner of Republican anymore. He may still call himself one. He may still be registered as one. But what the Republican Party has become is not what the governor is and in fact what he is is what the gop used to be and somehow still thinks they are but they're not oh let's not Um, let's not dive headfirst into that i just wanted to but you're right he was weirdly not the worst not even close i don't think but to my fellow Californians, this is going to come out September 1st. We are having our very own stupid election. Please make sure you're registered. When you get your ballot, your ballot, vote no. That's all you have to do. There's two questions. You don't even really have to look at the second one, even though it would be funny to vote for Angeline. Just vote no. She runs every time, doesn't she? I really have no idea. I was surprised I to see does. her name. I and I, I don't know. I, I appreciate the moxie of a making your life a long running bit but yeah do do we want to tell people who angeline is for those who i don't know that i could adequately summarize so you should feel free she's sort of like a popular celebrity question mark in a big car in la she's like a personality in la she's kind of famous for being famous yes she's famous for being her she hasn't really like i don't think she's ever had a show i do think she's had billboards um like i'm aware of her and I don't live in LA, but I've visited enough and heard enough about her to be aware of her. It's sort of, I don't, I don't want to say this wrong, but it, it, it has sort of, <laughs> to me, it has like Victoria's Secret or porn star vibes about it a little bit, Well, but I'm, she's not that. I'm on the Wikipedia page, so I'm going to okay, read this because so this you is semi-authoritative. What, how she officially identifies. Uh, Angeline. Uh, is an American singer, actress, media personality, and model who came to prominence in 1984 after mm-hmm. the appearance of a series of iconic billboards in and around Los Angeles that That's read only Angeline and pictured her posing suggestively. Okay, so that now I know that that is where my entire impression of her comes from. These caught the attention of local media outlets, and soon she received several offers for film roles, magazine interviews, and television show appearances. The main trademark of her celebrity persona is a pink Corvette. Mm -hmm. And then we've got from here, like, all of her credits. And she was a candidate in the 2003 recall, finishing Mm -hmm. 29th out of 135, garnering (laughs) 2,536 votes. <laughs> her wow. her slogan during the campaign, well, I would, which I will explain afterwards for people who don't know what this means. We've had gray, we've had brown. Now it's time for some blonde and pink. And she's yeah. referring to Gray Davis, the current governor who was recalled, and Jerry yeah. Brown, who was the governor yeah. in the seventies, and then again a few years ago. Yeah. Wow. She's also yeah, a so painter. Oh, is she? Mm-hmm. What kinds of things does she paint? I, I don't know. I'm just uh, it's a lot of information and not a lot of detail here. So. Yeah. 
Oh okay. My well, God, I, she has a lot of credits. Yeah. So Angelina on Wikipedia. Okay. I feel slightly more confident in my assessment because I uh-huh. remembered about billboards and that there was some sort of sexy component to it and that a sure. lot of pink was involved. And so that's where I got kind of like Victoria's secret, but porn star vibes, but not like she's <laughs> not that I don't think, but I don't know what her credits are. If yeah. I've ever seen her in anything, I don't recognize her. Like if I've ever seen her on a show, I didn't know it was her. Um, yeah, me too. Cause I'm looking through these credits and I have seen many of these things and I could not tell you like, Oh yes, yeah, that person. I wonder if she has played herself possibly or like but i feel like i might remember that um let me look at this again like yeah things that i have even seen recently um what great podcasting this is here both of us are uh (laughs) and we are just uh you know googling away while we talk to you oh Oh, angeline with a y that's what i was doing wrong Uh uh-huh there Um, she is oh she was was earth girls are easy that's funny they're working on a TV miniseries about her. Emmy she Rossum does, is attached. Oh, wow. She does play herself a lot, including uh, most recently, wow. well, not most recently, but close to most recently in The Disaster Artist, mm. which might be the last place I saw her. So uh, for anyone who doesn't know, The Disaster Artist is a movie <laughs> about the making of a movie. That movie is called The Room. Do Your favorite movie. Use it with do not confuse it with room starring brie larson <laughs> which is a very good movie uh-huh. the room is a very bad movie that is famous for being a very bad movie and it is unintentionally hilarious and like i scream laughed through it watching it i think i live tweeted it those tweets would be gone now um it was years ago <laughs> but the first time i ever saw it i could not get over how awful it was but in like, you know that they were sincerely trying to make a good They're movie. They're trying so hard. So hard. It's the so definition hard. of effortful, to quote Karen Kilgariff talking about yes, a different movie. <laughs> it is effortful. And you know what? A for effort. A, a for effortful. <laughs> Z for execution. Like, it is very bad. And I love it very much. Because it's just it's so it's it's so bad it's good i i have heard this sort of semi joke before about not confusing room and the room but i've never thought mm-hmm. of this before which is why do we not have a remake as a sketch of mm-hmm. brie larson doing scenes from the room we, this needs to happen saturday night live get on it sure or just she has a youtube channel she yeah doesn't she could do it herself if she wanted. she's got a podcast she could do an audio version and a million she, hobbies apparently she just posted a picture of herself doing some archery which oh wow oh is, i assumed that was for a role well i do not know if it's personal or not but i'm very ah. curious given her presence in the mcu if that might have a secret meaning but yeah it's i thought it was probably work related but she she and jesse ennis do have Uh a podcast called Uh, learning Learning lots Lots. yeah i haven't gotten into it yet but i it's on my Um, list of podcasts to check out which is always a million years long i feel bad because i do follow them both on instagram (laughs) (laughs) i find myself liking these posts and then being like i've never listened to this but i feel like i should encourage them sure (laughs) in in their podcasting endeavor yeah um they're probably better at it than we are so they certainly would be more funded than we are and have higher profile guests. 
<laughs> well, and and Jesse Ennis is, of course, the daughter of John Ennis. Mm-hmm. So like many things in our lives, this traces right back to Thrilling Adventure Hour. <laughs> sure. I mean, doesn't everything. I think, I think it's a six degrees of Kevin Bacon situation at this point. I bet six degrees of thrilling bacon, (laughs) six degrees of thrilling adventure hour. I bet. Yeah. Um, anyway, and Jesse of course is also an actress in her own right. And you can see her on better call Saul and she's on mythic quest right now. I believe, um, she was on, uh, the show love on Netflix Mm. with Gillian Jacobs and Paul Rust. So yeah, she's, she's done some great work that's out there. Paul Rust has a podcast with Matt Gorley, which I just got back into. It's called with Gorley and Rust. And oh, yes. they usually talk about like series of horror movies. So they started okay. with like the Friday the 13ths and Jason okay. and Halloween and, you know, all of those sort of. And so I wasn't listening to many of those, mm-hmm. but then they did a sequence on the Alien franchise movies. Oh, yeah. and those I enjoy. And mm-hmm. uh, now they're doing a like summer shark series. And so mm-hmm. they did the Jaws movies and okay. also Deep Blue Sea. And there's a couple of more coming, but the, the okay. Jaws ones I super recommend. <laughs> Aren't Jason and Friday the 13th, aren't they? That's the same thing, isn't it? I don't know these things. Oh, I think Jason is from Friday the 13th. Well, I did... then whatever the other one is. Jason and... Freddy? You Freddy, Freddy and the Freddy other Kruger? one. The big yeah. three of, of American, Halloween. that era horror yeah. things. I don't know. I watched the original Friday the 13th a while ago. And oh, it yeah. wild. Like, it, not what I expected. I don't know that I'd ever seen it before yeah uh just and it's not it's not great you guys (laughs) (laughs) it's not you should see it once just to know what it is because some cultural literacy (laughs) cultural literacy yeah i'm a big fan of that actually of like there are things that you should probably see once in your life even if it's not your thing just to know what they are like citizen kane is up there am i ever gonna watch it again no am i glad i watched it sure that's always the first thing I think of is like everybody talks about this movie. So if you want to be a movie fan, like just go ahead and plop down a couple hours and get through it. But it's not super fun by modern definitions. It's not. Rosebud is the sled. <gasps> oh, my gosh. We should make I that know. the title of the episode. We should. It's, I mean, it was so long ago. It reminds me of like people get mad about so-called spoilers that are not really like it, it reminds me of when Gillian Anderson starred in the house of mirth and she was was on some talk show interview and she mentioned uh-huh. the ending of it. <laughs> like I, yeah it's like Edith Wharton wrote that book a hundred years ago you had right. time like it's based on a novel that has been in existence for a very long time I think she gets a pass on that it's not a mystery it's, really funny. it's more character study than anything yeah, you can't really call something a spoiler when the plot doesn't revolve around like the revelation of that knowledge. Yeah, and it's and it doesn't in that case. Yeah. And it's it's just a very sort of a sad ending to that woman's life, but also <laughs> it's pretty clear that that's where we're headed for like a while. So Yeah. And, yeah, I think whenever something is based when it's based on a more modern book that hasn't been sure hugely popular like that's maybe a different thing yeah and also sometimes things change between the book and the movie adaptation oh in absolutely the, case of the house of mirth spoiler it does not change what <laughs> um, <laughs> happens in the book happens in the movie um pretty much exactly but um yeah with some stuff it's sort of like like i wouldn't oh segue alert oh I wouldn't want someone to tell me the end of the book Nine Perfect Strangers just yet because <laughs> the TV series is ongoing. 
Nine Perfect Strangers. Is this uh, about the U.S. Supreme Court? Sadly, no. <laughs> that would also be an interesting series. But just to segue into what we're watching lately, um, and because it it fit, and now I've called out the segue as we do. So now it's uh, da, 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 segue. Yeah. <laughs> now it's much less smooth um but i have i have been watching i've seen i guess the first four episodes are what's been released i have been watching uh a so-called prestige (laughs) drama a nicole kidman joint (laughs) yes it is for uh canadians it is on amazon i think it's a hulu original so for you guys it might be on hulu no idea this isn't my genre uh no and it's sort of i it it's one of those things that I decided to watch because everyone is talking about it. Yeah. Um, much like Big Little Lies, which I only ever saw the first season of. Or, yeah. um, although I, someday I'll go back and watch the rest of that because the first season was good. It's just, it is, um, it's that category of TV, which is like rich white people problems yep. for the most part. <laughs> There's a lot that's, of that lately. That's an off ramp. Yeah. In my, in my scrolling. Yeah, it's a lot not going of, that way. It's a lot of prestige TV, and it. I miss uh-huh. the days when when more shows were about normal people, um, not normal people. That's a different Irish oh, show. Oh no! <laughs> what, but what just happened there? <laughs> I tried to go Irish for a minute. There is a show called Normal People. Um, Once you go Irish, I, you never something else. <laughs> hmm. We're going to skate right by that. So uh, anyway, yeah. So this is one that people have been talking about. The premise is uh, that some rich people who are having life problems. Like you do. <laughs> like you do. Um, are headed off to, they, they go to a wellness retreat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's meant to take place in California. Apparently production had to be moved to Australia because of the pandemic. Yeah. Um. You can't really tell. It's all in the wilderness. I mean, it doesn't look like California to me, but then I don't know what Australia looks like either. So it's as long as there aren't an overt number of kangaroos, I think you're probably fine. Yeah, it's like there's a lot of greenery. I'm I don't know plants. Um, so the 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 premise being, they all go to this wellness retreat that is run by a mysterious woman called Ooh. Masha, played by Nicole Kidman, um, who has a protocol that is going to make them better and better seems to mean more relaxed and happy except Um, twist well hard to know that mostly they're (laughs) just arguing with each other a lot at the moment um it's it's a killer cast so you have nicole kidman Uh wearing what i saw one person describe as a lord of the rings cast off wig that's fine (laughs) i I don't know what she looks like but i just enjoy that turn of phrase it's very long and blonde. It's very like <laughs> if you were recycling Kate Blanchett's wig from the Lord of the Rings. Or I was just going to do like <laughs> Nicole Kidman is Legolas. <laughs> it's a little bit like that. Um, it occurs to me that I should pull this up so I don't get anyone's name. Wrong. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, I'm going to because... look up the picture while you're doing that. Yeah. Like I know I will forget somebody. So, uh, so it's Nicole Kidman and Melissa McCarthy. Oh, nice. Um, I am delighted to see Melissa McCarthy in a more dramatic role. She yeah, seems to she's have been moving that. that way in the last few years. Mm-hmm. After a lot of comedy and a lot of very physical comedy. And by which yeah. I mean, you know, pratfalls and literally bouncing off walls and things that I would think as one, now, uh, no disrespect to Melissa, and we are not that far apart in age, but as one gets older, 
one As, recovers yeah. more slowly from being bashed into walls. Yeah. And I wonder if maybe that's part of why. Like she really made sure. a name for herself doing very, very zany comedy after, I mean, Gilmore Girls really made her name. She went yeah. from that to Bridesmaids. That opened up a whole world of film for her. She did a lot of crazy zany comedies that people seem to either love or hate. Do that we will. Um, and in, in more recent years, she has done some more serious roles. Uh, and it's been interesting to see that side of her because, yeah. and, and as tends to be true, if you can do comedy, you can do drama and she can. Yeah. Um, comedy's harder. If you're good at that, chances are you can nail drama. She's nailing it. Uh, she was wonderful. And can you ever forgive me? And um, she's, I, I like her in this. <laughs> um, I have I have no Melissa McCarthy related complaints about this show. <laughs> I have a she, Melissa McCarthy related complaint, which is why isn't there a sequel to Spy? Yeah, where's Spy Two? Where the um, fuck is that? Anyway, we'll that's ask. all. Uh, yeah, but she's she in this uh, show, she's one of the nine guests. So nine perfect strangers refers mm -hmm. to the nine guests uh -huh. at this retreat. So of course we already have a cast bigger than nine. Because uh, we have Nicole Kidman and then her staff and mm -hmm. then Masha, hair. I should say. Masha, yes, and her hair. And then we have these nine guests. So Melissa McCarthy is one of the guests. She plays an author whose publisher has just dropped her. Her last book was panned. Mm. Uh, she was scammed by some idiot on the internet who pretended to, it's one of those romance scams where like they pretend sure. to be in love with you and they're going to move and you send them money and then their kid is sick and yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, that guy is played by Melissa's real life husband, which is wow. just a fun Easter egg for those of us who know that. That is funny. Um, it's pretty good. Uh, Michael Shannon is in this. Luke Evans Ooh. is in this. Uh, Asher Ketty, whom I'd never heard of, is in this. I don't know that name. Regina Hall is in this, not to be confused with Regina King. Mm -hmm. Both powerhouse sure. actresses, though. Yeah, absolutely. Also, and both black women, very different. Mm -hmm. um, Bobby Cannavale is in this. Uh, I hope I'm saying his last name right. I think it's Cannavale because it, I is it believe Cannavale? it's Italian or okay. like Hispanic. I'm not sure, but I've always pronounced it that way. I don't know that I've ever actually seen an accent mark on it. I have. I don't believe I've ever heard it said out loud. Yeah. So I've never been sure, but you're probably right. I would guess Italian and it probably is Cannavale, but I don't know. It could, yeah. could be Hispanic. I have no idea. Anyway, he's in this. Um, and joy of joys in a very <laughs> different role from what most people will know him from manny Jacinto. oh of, shit that's right i have seen uh memes and things place. of him yes now i just want to say i don't think manny will remember me but we took out <laughs> together in vancouver <laughs> right and right, i really right. had a moment watching this of like that guy used to be in my scene study class and now uh -huh. he's on screen having sex with nicole kidman whoa spoiler what alert. is life <laughs> <laughs> like i doubt he imagined that back then yeah uh good for you manny i sincerely mean that i'm sincerely very happy for him he Absolutely. was a good guy when i knew him and i assume he remains a good guy yay manny mm -hmm. um so the oh and also samara weaving and i want to talk about samara weaving oh for a minute uh yeah in this show because i think she i I have thoughts about this show and some of them are not positive, <laughs> but I think that she is giving the killer performance of this show. Okay. Oh, I, I don't know her personally. I've seen her in some other things here and there. She's not someone whose work I know very well. So I will stipulate that, but she, 
is going to sound so terrible. She is so annoying in this show. <laughs> so annoying that it is a masterful performance. It has to be. That's she great. She plays like an Instagram influencer type. Oh, that's who, great. Like is too tanned for anyone's good and like the <laughs> hair the nails the makeup like the whole when you hear uh -huh. instagram influencer or celebrity what you're picturing is what she's playing now she's a, she's a beautiful girl to begin with you know sure. she is tall skinny blonde beautiful um but they have taken her natural state and turned it into instagram influencer on speed essentially classic she, she sentence she's horrifically annoying <laughs> and she was driving me crazy in about episode two when i when you know the actor light bulb of me went off and just went like i very clearly in my brain was the thought my god she's doing a good job yeah like for me to hate her this much <laughs> that yeah, actress say, is nailing it i had sort of a, a switch flip about this i don't know maybe five years -ish ago where mm -hmm. i sort of realized if i'm having a strong reaction to someone regardless of what the reaction is that, that means is their the performance is effective so yes. if you go like i you know would go back and watch a movie from when i was a kid and like oh, i always hated that guy like oh the reason i hate that guy is because that's his job and he's, he's a really doing good actor. it good <laughs> exactly. and that's why i remember hating that character exactly. because that was what that guy got up in the morning and did every day was make me hate that character mm -hmm. yeah and he's probably very nice not necessarily yeah. could be a real dick i don't sure. know um also <laughs> we're referring to a hypothetical person yes but the um, movie straw man but yeah. starring <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah what i what i find because now i sort of delight in how annoying she is yes because and you know, truthfully, that light bulb should go off for me sooner. But again, I think it's a testament to the actor oh, that sure, her yeah, portrayal absolutely. is so good. Her her performance is so strong mm -hmm. that I was reacting purely to the character, not the actor, for yeah. a while. And then, of course, found myself reacting that way and went, "My God, she's doing a good job," and she is. <laughs> so I think it's worth like for the pure sometimes comedy of it and sometimes pathos of it i think it's worth watching the show purely for that performance it's really mm -hmm. it's something to see like when you realize what that performance is it is <laughs> it is really something and just like kudos to weaving for that it is something else um but this show is also getting some uh criticism and rightly mm -hmm. so for a number of reasons one of which is you may have seen the thing going around the internet about how it looks like they're just standing in front of a backdrop because they're in front of the ocean and the water doesn't move. Oh, is that what that's from? I saw that's the what that's water from. not moving thing. Paul uh, F. Tompkins posted something about that. And how he's one like of many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, his his podcast partner from um, the neighborhood. Listen, Nicole Parker. Nicole Parker. Yeah, she put that up first. Oh, okay. Um, and uh or at least she was one of the people who put it up <laughs> and uh it's yeah once you see it you can't unsee it it was so weird. i had seen i'd seen that clip before i saw the episode and then when i got to the <laughs> okay. episode it is just as obvious as you think it is <laughs> um it's awful and it's, it's a like, picture and, of california why didn't you fix it in post is my mm -hmm. question like i understand that probably they had to do this on a soundstage like mm -hmm. the scene takes place at night 
it's very possible that they shot it in the middle of the day and did it indoors. Like we don't, yeah. there are a million reasons why they may have used the backdrop. Movie magic what I, kids. What I don't know is why they didn't replace that backdrop in post. Why, I mean, it would have been better to film it in front of a green screen and then replace it in post. This because is what it's, mm -hmm. it's egregious. It's really egregious. Um, maybe they did fix it in post and that's the result. And that's even more horrifying to contemplate because it's just... It's, well, you haven't gotten through the series yet. Maybe this is like a mystery element that's going to be revealed and they're in the Matrix or some shit. Maybe. Let's leave that open <laughs> as a possibility because I don't know. That is possible. Got, so skeptical. So skeptical of maybe. <laughs> I've got, I would say, anywhere from four to eight weeks of this to go. I don't, I'm not sure how many episodes there are. Is it eight? Is it 10? Is it 12? I don't know. Well, look um, forward to hopefully more ridiculous backgrounds. Maybe it's only six. Who knows? Uh, yeah, it's, I would, oh, maybe it's nine. One for each stranger. Ooh. I'm sure I can look this up. Um, anyway, it's, so it's, it's intriguing and it's sort of like, it falls into a category that I've come to think of as, as trash prestige TV. <laughs> where it has, trash prestige. It has all It's eight the, episodes, by the way. Thank you. It. It has sort of all the trappings of prestige TV, but also it's a very trashy story. <laughs> and I'm then it has some like, it's amazing. It has some low rent elements like water that doesn't move. Uh, I can only assume they spent their entire bu budget on uh, fingernails for Samara weaving and, <laughs> 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 and bad wigs for That's why they everyone. couldn't do green screen. <laughs> couldn't do green screen. Cole's wig was too expensive. Now I'm imagining the production meeting and like they're going down the line items before they even start casting. And they're like, okay, well, here are the things we can afford. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I mean, it's, yeah, her wig is bad. Uh, Regina's wig is, I, I hope that's a wig. Um, uh, oh. It's got, no, it's gotta be. It's, uh, it's like, there are some not great wigs on it. And then there are, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what happened, but the water doesn't move and everything is kind of like, there are a lot of shots that they use as transition scenes mm -hmm. of just <laughs> blenders making smoothies. Huh. Now they do drink a lot of smoothies on this show and everybody has well, their own sure. specific smoothie that may or may not be drugged. Um, this... Spoiler, they, they are drugged. It's like the end <laughs> of episode three where one of the characters finally turns to Nicole Kidman and says, have you been drugging us? And I thought, you just figured that out now, lady? Like, what do you think this is? <laughs> it's, it's a, a place weird... where the water doesn't move. <laughs> it's a weird wellness retreat where they control your food intake and there's a lot of smoothies and anything you brought with you is taken away from you and like it just it's a cult it's got to be a cult um this is gonna the, it's gonna turn out as some weird prequel to nexium or something like it's something. just gonna tie into i don't know i'm i'm excited for this to utterly fall apart and be just wild by it's, the end it's just a bonkers I mean, finale it's to me it's already pretty bonkers now i hear yeah. the book it's based on is pretty good uh-huh um i never I want to believe that, but I have a history of having been told books are good and then reading them and finding that they are not good and then rethinking other people's judgments. So <laughs> while I have definitely heard out there that it's a good book, and maybe it is, I haven't read it, so I can't say, but the series is bonkers. Well, bonkers. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a segue off of your 
please <laughs> discussing things that were books uh i just watched a movie actually finished it up today um mm-hmm. that i haven't watched for a while but it is an adaptation of an elmore leonard novel called rum punch uh okay. and uh it's jackie brown which is Tarantino's okay. third directorial effort. And it's a movie uh-huh. that doesn't get as much attention as stuff like Pulp Fiction and more recent things that Tarantino huh. has done. And I'm not a superlative Tarantino fan, but this is just a really sort of fascinating piece of American film history in a way, because it's Pam Greer, who was yes. this incredible icon of cinema in the 70s and continued mm-hmm. to be, I should say, starting in the 70s. But it's also yes. Samuel yeah. L. Jackson, uh mm-hmm. cousin Samuel <laughs> whatever cousin the joke Sam. of yours is uh but also hope, Robert Forrester I hope cousin Sam is okay <laughs> <laughs> seems to be doing fine uh, on a plane man the the amazing Robert Forrester Bridget Fonda uh Ooh, Michael like Keaton her. and Robert De Niro are also in this movie like it's just interesting this incredible cast of heavy hitters yeah and it's like an LA sort of modern noir-ish crime movie mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the thing that was really interesting that I hadn't thought of before or hadn't looked up before, Michael Keaton is playing the same character that he plays in the movie Out of Sight, which is oh. George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez, one of my favorite yeah. movies of all time, which is a Soderbergh movie. Huh. And both these Elmore Leonard novels were optioned like at the same time. And so the studios had to negotiate how Keaton could appear in both. Oh, wow. That's because interesting. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that they both wanted the same actor for that character. Like, well, essentially, yeah, I just, just found this out. Else. <laughs> exactly. I found this <laughs> out on our sponsor of today's episode, Wikipedia, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to read through some of this as well. While Jackie hmm. Brown was in production, Universal was beginning pre-pro on Out of Sight, directed by Steven Soderbergh. Um, and that novel also features this character, Ray Nicolette, who's an ATF agent. Um and they waited to see who Tarantino would cast. Oh. Uh, Keaton eventually took the role. Uh, and then he subsequently agreed to play Nicolette in Out of Sight also, but he's uncredited. He only appears in one scene alongside oh, okay. Lopez and Dennis Farina, who plays her dad. Uh, although the legal rights to the character were held by Miramax and Tarantino, as Jackie Brown had been produced first, Tarantino mm-hmm. insisted that the studio not charge Universal for using the character in Out of Sight, allowing the character's appearance without Miramax receiving financial compensation. So it becomes like this weird Tarantino cinematic universe, like spur where out of sight yeah. is sort of part of the Tarantino verse because Keaton cool. appears in both. I just, yeah. I thought that was fascinating. That's kind of cool. And I didn't realize he only had one scene. So yeah. that's interesting that it, mm-hmm. that they it's were like, sort of a weird cameo. Yeah. Well, it's, it's sort of an Easter egg really mm-hmm. of like, if you know this movie and then you're watching this movie, check it out. Same dude. Yeah um so yeah i i actually kind of like that and that's kind of cool of him to not charge i have very mixed feelings about quentin tarantino oh um, i do too and yeah, i'm i'm not yeah. even like i 
I think he is a great filmmaker and has done some great work, but I am not one of the people of, I mean, I had friends growing up who really thought he was a genius and, you know, wanted to be filmmakers themselves and thought yeah. he was the best thing since sliced bread. This was the sort of late nineties and who yeah. made student films in high school, one of which I was in that yeah. were like Tarantino, I hesitate to say ripoffs. So like homages. Okay. Were they like super bloody? <laughs> no, not quite, but there's, Good. there was a short that, um, they did that was like it had a couple of scenes that were sort of Pulp Fiction inspired. So there's okay. a famous scene from Pulp Fiction where uh, Jackson and John Travolta are looking down into the trunk and the camera is mm -hmm. shooting up at them from within the trunk and they're saying like, oh, you know, we should have shotguns for this job, but we only have mm -hmm. this lighter hardware. And so my friends sort of took a spinoff on that and in their crime universe, uh, everyone yep. carries water balloons. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> or like squirt pistols, you know, it's just because sure. it's high school, you can't have simulated right. guns even. So you have to like right. nerf is the hardest hardware you can rock. Yeah. Like you can and have so, a super soaker. <laughs> that's what it is, is they have like yeah. super soaker like pistols, but they're looking down saying, oh, we should have water balloons for this job. <laughs> like, like, it just was that's a fun, funny. weird thing that they did. And I, yeah. I really wish I had copies of those because I would love to rewatch. No, that's, that's really cute. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he's a perfectly fine filmmaker. I don't think he's yeah. the genius that a lot of people think he is. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he has taken too many risks with too many people's well-being. Yeah. During uh, production, I think there's some uh, things. That... Damn near killed Uma Thurman. Yeah. Um, look it up. So there's, you know, stuff like that, that I'm not, and he's, he is that auteur type, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, which I don't tend to love. Uh, that said, I appreciate some of the stuff he's done around like keeping cinemas open yeah um and yeah like he's I don't I don't think he's I just have mixed feelings about him I don't think he's the genius that everybody else thinks he is but I also don't think he's evil yeah um, I think it's possible to be a mixed uh, like the, most people are sort of a mixed bag of a person exactly yes <laughs> right? yes yes and I also uh I think that if no one is stopping you it's easy to get kind of carried away with your own sure um mythic stuff mm -hmm. yeah if people are calling you a genius it becomes easier to believe that you are a genius probably maybe uh, yeah i don't know i've never experienced that but, <laughs> but um <laughs> i would imagine that if you know a lot of young boys are sort of worshiping you and calling you the best filmmaker ever that there you might start to believe it um and you might believe that the work is worth taking some of the kinds of risks yeah. that have been taken that compromise safety and that's actually my biggest beef with him other than like in general treatment of women in his films and stuff is not always great mm -hmm. um which is true of most male filmmakers if we're honest yeah um, and probably some female filmmakers we could think of as well <laughs> there are way fewer of them and I mean, sure yeah I, I can't come up with an example um but yeah so his his you know the treatment of women yeah. The lack of safety on set, including the car accident that very nearly killed him with Thurman. Those are things I find incredibly problematic, but you know, not all bad. He's not all bad. Yeah. And I think those things Jackie are Brown, all bad. Yes. He's not all bad. <laughs> I think Jackie Brown is an interesting sort of entry in his canon um, because mm -hmm. Pam Greer plays the title lead and she's sort of the, um, she's, ends up kind of being the mastermind around which all these other criminals and cops orbit. And she's kind mm -hmm. of playing people off of each other and trying to figure out she gets, um, she's running cash for an arms dealer in LA 
mm-hmm. uh, into and out of Mexico. And so eventually somebody sort of squeals on their operation and the cops come pick her up and try to squeeze her. And so she plays the LAPD and the ATF against um, Sam Jackson's character and uh, De Niro's character are sort of these small time local LA criminals. And Robert Forrester is a bail bondsman who sort of helps her. And it's it's a really like intricate storyline. And it's it's very enjoyable. What a fun role for her. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. And it's it really has um Quentin's like musical sensibility. Like the soundtrack is very much all the like 70s music that oh, he yeah. loves. And having Pam Greer on screen, because she was such an icon yes. of that era, the you know, black exploitation movies that she came up on, Coffee yeah. and um, I remember what the other one was. That was I mean, here, there's no way that that's an Foxy, accident. Foxy Brown is the other one. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it very much has a specific mood and tone to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I recommend this movie uh, uh, very highly. It's really fun. It is a little bit indulgent in parts because Quentin does a lot of long shots on people sort of having reactions to moments. Mm-hmm. And I like that the actors are giving moments to let the mood and the scene breathe but the movie is pretty long <laughs> it's 154 uh-huh. minutes and i think you could probably take 20 minutes out of it Ooh, that, that are just long. like tracking shots of people walking yeah yeah you could probably edit that down a bit mm-hmm. yeah but it, you know it doesn't feel that long the whole way through because there's a lot of moving parts and it's mm. not quite a heist movie but it's you know just sort of a classic LA crime movie and yeah. it's a, a genre I very much appreciate. <laughs> I, I do think you can always get away with a longer movie if it moves along. Oh absolutely yeah. Definitely I've been in movies that I didn't realize how long they were until yeah. afterward because it kept moving the whole time and I was engaged the whole time so uh, to me length I mean length up to a point is not yes. an issue. Um, if you're hitting three hours to me, that's too long. I can appreciate that. You need My... to put an intermission in there. <laughs> um, because I think of people in the theater. Yeah. And you can only keep people in a place without a bathroom for so long. Yeah. And I I'm one of those people who I I'll do it if I have to, but I hate to leave the theater during the movie. Me too. Like only if I really, really, really have to use the bathroom and I'm not gonna make it to the end of the movie will I go. <laughs> But I'm more likely to need to do that and say a three hour movie, because yeah. also I don't want to sit in a three hour movie without some sort of beverage. Sure. Like at least some water. But then biology just happens. It like sure if you, does. If you start drinking water at the beginning of a three hour movie, chances are you'll have to pee before the end of that three hour movie, at least if you're me. So, yeah, that's something you have to like schedule your life around a little bit. It's like, well, tomorrow I'm going to the movies, so I need to carb up and I need to... <laughs> I've literally never done that. <laughs> but like, um, I, I think we have yeah. definitely also both seen 90 minute movies that felt way too long. So long. Yes. I mean, I yes. my, one of my favorite podcasts is how did this get made? And they're always oh, yeah. watching, you know, the effortful and terrible. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot of those movies where just like, oh, I can't believe it's not over. Oh, we're 20 minutes in. Yeah. <laughs> Every once in a while, I'll see something like that and just be like, oh, my God. How? Are- yeah. I mean, I have also, uh, a few times in my life, I have been part of larger film festival juries. Mm-hmm. And um, no one sets out to make a bad movie. No. A lot of people accidentally do. And sometimes 
uh, sometimes a movie is bad sometimes it's just slow yeah um and and that doesn't there are movies where that works like it's a whole mood meditative thing and there are movies where it just feels slow and yeah. so i you know i just i have seen because of course when when you're serving on those the larger juries are usually adjudicating what's even getting into the festival so oh, right yeah you're watching anything that was submitted so you are quality control at that point right yeah so you you see the whole range um nothing is getting programmed into a festival that feels like that unless it's on purpose and well done <laughs> but yeah in the vetting process you can you can watch a lot of of not great films I will not name uh, the yeah. festivals. I will not name the films because I'm sure that there are people who've watched my work submitted to festivals and been like, no, nope. <laughs> because taste is a personal thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's <laughs> you know? that too. Not everything yeah. is uh, objective. <laughs> no, but, um, but yeah, there are definitely, there are some movies where you just think like, how is this still happening? And yeah, you're 35 minutes in and there are other movies <laughs> that seem to go bad by the blink of an eye and you realize you've been sitting there over two hours. So. Yeah. And I think Jackie Brown, my experience of it would have benefited from not watching it in three and a half sittings oh okay you know i just sort of started yeah. it on thursday night and watched a little bit on at lunch on friday and then mm -hmm. a little bit more today like <laughs> it just um the if you're into it like you're talking about sort of the mood of it mm -hmm. you know they kind of let the music take you because yeah you know the the way the sort of cultural joke of like it's almost like new york is a character in this oh, story yes. <laughs> like the music in tarantino's movies are an extra character most right. of the time and so you know you kind of each character has like a little playlist in their experience and so there's a sequence towards i don't know i guess i would call it sort of the end of the second act beginning of the third act where a bunch mm -hmm. of different characters are driving to a rendezvous and he's intercutting between them in the cars and mm -hmm. so the soundtrack changes because it's all right. diegetic so you're yeah. listening to what they're listening to right. and i just i enjoy that you know that sort of extra flavor to the experience yeah i think that might be a movie where you well, every movie you're meant to sit and watch it all the way through. Mm -hmm. You're pretty much never meant to cut it up, but of course people oh, do. Of course, yeah. Um, yeah, and I I don't know, three hours for me is pretty much my limit. Yeah, um, and it's, I appreciate that. it's rare that I will start something if I see that it's that long. <laughs> yeah, or you're also like, I mean, I'm thinking the sort of, the textbook movie that's way too long is Peter Jackson's um, Tolkien, you know, Lord of the Rings oh, series. Yeah. It's the Return multiple of the movies King, and they're all too long. Return <laughs> of the King has like, you know, notoriously like four solid end points where it fades to black and then there's more. But, mm. you know, the three of the extended versions together is 12 hours. And so that's, that's a thing insane. that I just don't ever watch unless I'm in the very specific mood to visit that universe and those stories yeah. and just like this is you know I've got a long weekend coming up so we're gonna watch <laughs> the Lord of the Rings we're gonna you know get a bunch of food and it's just that's what we're doing for the next yeah. couple of days and by I just sort of mean the royal we I don't live with people that I yeah. watch movies with but that's right yeah that's the <laughs> that's the experience of that and you sort of have to know what you're getting going in well and I think part of Part of what soured me on the very long movie experience was the the extremely long movie of of my uh youth i guess like the period of my life where like it was titanic oh sure yeah and so titanic is about three hours long uh-huh with apologies to everyone who loves it, it is three hours of my life i will never get back mm -hmm. and that third hour in particular is just like it's a disaster movie yeah. you just wait you're just waiting for the boat to sink like mm -hmm. the whole time I was thinking, I, you know, I saw people kind of on the edge of their seats and I would think like, do they not know that this was a real boat? 
Like it's going to sink. So sorry for snorting not, into the microphone. <laughs> not getting out of this. Like the, there's the, no the spence for me. Like sure, mm-hmm. will will uh, Jack and what's her noodle live or die is Rose. a question. Rose, Excuse thank me. you. Sure, that's a question, but ultimately, like you could cut to that part because we, for about an hour we just watched the boat fill up with water and sink in various ways. And the whole time I was th- like, we all know we're not saving this, right? Like, there's yeah. no way to unsink the Titanic. Like, if you well, make the- a movie called Titanic, <laughs> the boat is gonna sink, and there's no suspense. I don't know why it's an hour of watching the boat sink. Well, the suspense is supposed to be with Rose and Jack and will they get out? Will they stay together? What is their future? And I think that the indulgence of Jim Cameron building and whatever it is, an, a 10 11th scale model of the Titanic or Something whatever it like was, that. that big film set in Mexico, like yeah. the that was where that was supposed to be, was that like the first half of the movie is like sweeping and romantic and the back half is Terminator. And yeah. so it's, you know, Sarah Connor and Kyle Reese trying to get away from this implacable foe. Yeah. But in this case, the foe is just uh, water. water. <laughs> so it's <laughs> like, I don't think yeah. he, that he quite found the fairway. But I will say as someone who has watched Titanic a couple of times in the last few years, yeah. there are, it is a long movie. Um, Caitlin and Jamie from the Bechtel cast, that is mm-hmm. one of their favorites. Uh-huh. And so they have done multiple like commentary tracks of that movie, including <laughs> one where the third character was like a sixer of Mike Hard- Mike's Hard Lemonade. And oh, okay. so just to listen to these two like very smart, very funny women get drunk and watch mm-hmm. Titanic I know is people, a lot of fun. People love it and they think it's so rom- romantic. I just, it's like any other yeah. love story to me. There's plenty of room on that floating piece of wood for him to get up there with her. There's it's not no the space, reason he the, has to die. It's the buoyancy. He tries yeah, to get sure. on and it sinks under him. That's very yeah. clear if you actually watch that. I will I will push back on that one point <laughs> is that that is not the correct analysis of what's happening in that moment. Uh, I don't know because maybe when he gets, but it's, it's wood. Wood floats. Even soaked through, it floats. Not with two whole people on it. Mm, I don't know. It I happens disagree. in the movie. I it's what have seen are. it a year ago. <laughs> no, I understand that that happens in the movie. I'm not yeah. sure it's what really happened. Rafts exist. Uh, and they get more than one person on a wooden raft in the world. Anywho, uh, yeah, I hate it. I hate that movie. And the one thing, the one good thing I have to say about that movie well, two good things. I think uh, that, as usual, Kathy Bates was a delight. As oh, of the course. unsinkable Molly Brown, which yeah. is a funny name for a character on a, a fun nickname boat. for a person, absolutely. Well, and a person on a sinking boat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, uh, it introduced me to Kate Winslet. That, sure. that movie is how I became aware of Kate Winslet, and she is brilliant. Absolutely. Uh, I just found the story was predictable in all of the ways yeah i mean there's one thing particularly in the boat sinking way yes there's one thing that jim cameron is really good at and it's going through the beats of a story where you should already know what's going to happen like all of his character stories like if you look at Mm -hmm. titanic terminator avatar like the thing that they really have in common is yes we know how the story is going to progress but he hits all of the beats in my opinion, incredibly effectively. So if you are there for what he's serving, he's making you the meal you ordered incredibly well. You don't have to necessarily choose to eat that meal. Yeah, I think but he's that's just not what the he's director for you. me. I also Which is totally Avatar. fine. Yeah, no, nobody, yeah. like, we're not here to right. yuck <laughs> anybody's yums, but there's, there's a difference between 
being incredibly good at what you do and whether or not that that meal is for that's just it like i listen i will never say that titanic is a bad movie yeah it's not a bad movie it's beautifully made uh, mm-hmm. It's one of the early uses of CGI. All those extras on the deck of the Titanic are like the uh-huh. same 12 people CGI. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and it works really well. Um, yeah, no, he, you know, it, the movie is what it, what it is. And it's just mm-hmm. not, I did not, for me, it did not live up to the hype because when oh, sure. I, yeah. I saw it in the theater after all this hype about how it was the greatest movie ever made, everyone who saw it thought it was so amazing. The media and I was went, really overblown. And so were my friends. And Mm -hmm. then I went and saw it and was like, all right, so it's a typical love story where Uh everything I expect to happen happens and there are absolutely zero surprises. And then Mm -hmm. the boat sinks, which of course it does because it's the Titanic. And Celine Dion sings a song (laughs) that will never leave our culture. Yeah. Um, So all in all, I was not into it. I, I do not particularly like to eat at that particular restaurant. Which is totally fine. Like yeah. that's but it's not it's not that his movies are bad. They're just not yeah. for me. They're they're I find them too long and predictable. And I don't to me there's something there can be something very satisfying about because sometimes you see a movie and everything happens exactly the way you want it to happen, exactly when you want it to happen. Exactly. And that can be incredibly satisfying. Oh, yeah. Um that was my experience with a, with a an older, I think, oh no, newer, I guess. A movie made probably around the same time um, and a much shorter movie called Max Q that's about oh, you know, okay. space disaster. Yeah, and I haven't that, actually watched that, but you you threw that at me a while ago. Because it it is, for me, that was the quintessential experience of exactly everything I want to happen happens the way I want it to happen when I want it to happen. Yeah. And some of it is predictability and hitting the beats, but some of it is just like, oh, you know what would be great right now? And then it happens exactly and yeah, that to me is very satisfying uh-huh. i like that a lot that yeah. doesn't happen to me with something like titanic titanic to me felt more like well of course uh-huh mm-hmm. uh-huh of course yes that's what happens next like it just it uh-huh. felt it feels paint by numbers to me i totally hear you yeah yeah so that's that's how i feel about it but that's not to say that paint by numbers is necessarily bad um and some people like a lot of the world loves that movie very much and thinks it's you know the most wonderful epic thing they've ever seen i just thought it was overhyped not not bad but overhyped and i don't need to see it again because i i saw it once you know totally fair yeah Yeah. i i do uh, a thing occurred to me you mentioned celine dion's song and uh another thing that i'm a fan of that you are not as much a fan of i think is the james bond franchise and i was hoping you were going to say celine dion because we were going to have a real fun conversation (laughs) No, that's not where I was going. But what I was going to say <laughs> is true, she though, yeah. did she did the opening titles song for Deadpool 2 and mm-hmm. it made me think why yeah. the fuck did nobody ever get her into a James Bond theme because she oh, yeah, has the fun. perfect yeah. voice and like Should sort of cultural for presence for that. Not that I would replace anybody who has done one, but like no. some of the Bond themes, I mean I think Skyfall that Adele did is probably yep. the best recent one. Um mm-hmm. But I just—I mean, there's I, still I don't know time. how they weren't able to make that happen. Sort of like during the height of, you know, the yes. Titanic era. Yeah, like to do it now wouldn't be quite the same. Because I, yeah, sort of is my thought. Which yeah. I mean, they're about to reboot James Bond because the last Daniel Craig movie is coming out mm-hmm. in a couple months, and so the so broccoli's are going to have to pick a new guy. Yeah. Um. 
so I, yeah, I'm, that's my sort of wish list for the future is we need to get her into an amazing, amazing Bond song. I think that would be good. Yeah, yeah. she because she can like there's there's no arguing that she can sing and like she <laughs> yeah she can bring it fair. she can bring it on a power ballad again not necessarily my personal taste yeah i i own exactly one of her albums um <laughs> it's probably the same one that everyone owns that came out sometime in the 90s and i cannot remember <laughs> what it's called and in fact now as i say i own it i don't know if that's still true it was true at one time i don't know if i still have it fair um, enough. but it has because she did do movie songs for a while, right? Like there yeah. was Titanic and then there, there was a movie with uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and Robert Redford called Up Close and Personal. Sounds vaguely familiar. And she has the power ballad in that. Okay, yeah. That's on the CD I have. I cannot remember the song. I can't remember, but I know Might that have that's to look on that there. <laughs> yeah. um, and also a song, some, something about it's all coming back to me now that's on there like it's it's a oh, cd yeah, of 90s mm-hmm. power ballads yeah, yeah you still hear that one in the drugstore sometimes <laughs> i find like it's it's now background music when you're shopping well it's because you don't have a car to drive around to and then listen to the radio and hear well there. i uh yeah maybe it's also still on the radio i don't yep. know <laughs> um what was i gonna say the uh yeah there was a period when when she did that she's not you know i i don't dislike her but i'm not a fan kind of she exists for me as one Mm -hmm. one of the big names of music of that time yeah i bought one album you know we're not (laughs) we're not friends but we're not enemies kind of thing (laughs) like fair enough she's She's the she's the tarantino of 90s power ballad singers (laughs) wait no that's fucking awful She's not that bad. I mean, the chest thumping <laughs> just made me laugh. Like it was. That's true. That's a fun. That's the other thing Titanic did for me when when she would do the Titanic song, you know, with the Oscars and stuff, and she'd wear the necklace and she'd pound her chest. And the whole time I was thinking, oh my god, you're gonna break that diamond thing. Like that's real. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's uh, that's okay, real wait. jewelry. Hang, hang on a second. Two quick things. Yes. One, just to loop back real quick, the song from Deadpool is, Deadpool is called Ashes, and okay. the video for it is amazing. So anybody who know. thinks they like Celine or isn't sure that song fucking rules. But you said Fair. break the diamond thing, and it made me think. Did you see this thing on Twitter where someone was talking about a diamond being destroyed in a fire? No. What? Oh it was the funniest <laughs> thing ever. I, I can't mean, remember I what the context sooty but i don't think it would get destroyed like i can't remember what the context was but it was some sort of like conservative twitter person thinking that like it was like a real gotcha sort of moment of like you know oh if you're if you're (laughs) you know it was it was some classist bullshit you know the the kind of conversation that's parallel to um absolving student debt like you know i i had to pay it so you should have to too like that sort of of bullshit yeah i suffered so so everyone should suffer Exactly. And yeah. so this person was saying something like, well, if you own a bunch of diamonds and they get destroyed in a fire, that's your fault. Like that was basically the context. And what? I saw it, of course, when, you know, some comedian reposted like, the hell are you talking about? <laughs> like, oh, my diamonds are burning. <laughs> so uh, listeners, I feel it's only fair to tell you that I very nearly did an actual spit take. Oh, yep, that's true. I wasn't <laughs> going <laughs> to. When Chris said that, um, that's amazing. <laughs> I don't think diamonds can burn. I mean, I've never tested this theory, but I just don't see how. Perhaps in the heart of a star? I don't know. I'm going to try to find this while we talk. Oh, wait. Let's see. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. They're not flammable. 
Okay, here it is. They were talking about NFTs, which I, if you don't know what that is, Google it. We're not going to get into that. Oh yeah, we're but not the, explaining that nonsense. The quote is, if you make an NFT of a real diamond and the diamond itself gets destroyed in a fire tomorrow, <laughs> you still have the same asset. Destroyed in a fire. What? <laughs> yep, you just take a minute with that. <laughs> I don't know how you could make an NFT of a real diamond. I don't want to know what the I answer don't, to that is. I. <laughs> we've on fire. We've broken Stevie's brain. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least my diamonds are okay. Yep. <laughs> you know, everything else I own is gone, but my diamonds just uh -huh. need to be washed off, and they're fine. I uh, oh, I'm scrolling Lord. through someone's Twitter feed to see if they were the person who reposted this. Uh, I will not take too much longer doing this, but I really yeah, want to my, find this joke. My brain can't can't take it. It's oh, it does amazing. not compute. Amazing, but you know, a lot of those gotcha moments from mm -hmm. mostly right wing folks, whether politicians or pundits or just Joe on the internet, are they fall into this category of like you are not making the argument you think you're making. There's a ton and of that. I That's don't half think of you Twitter. know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Um, wow. Okay. I'm disappointed wow. that I cannot oh, find this. So just, just based math, let's say I did somehow make an NFT of a real diamond and yeah. I, I simultaneously owned that NFT and that diamond. That's two assets. Now, if that diamond somehow got destroyed in a fire, let's, let's please just, not. I would only have <laughs> one asset. So just mathematically, that's untrue, that it would be the same. Like, if I have two apples and I give I one to know. you, I don't have the same two apples now, do I? Now I'm hungry for apples. Um, <sighs> my recollection was that it was friend of the pod, Amanda Smith, who was posting a joke related to geology and how diamonds oh, are formed, tracks. but I can't yes. find it. So apologies I mean, if I... it was someone else, um, but also please go back and listen to that episode if you have not and follow Amanda Smith. She's amazing. Yeah, uh, I, I don't have a ton of knowledge, but I believe they're sort of formed by pressure in the earth. And I assume that accurate heat. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not a gemologist or anything, but yeah, I don't, I just don't see fire being, I don't think you can burn a diamond. I've never tried. But a little fire scarecrow. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just don't, I just don't see how that works. <laughs> I am, I, I was, yeah, uh, that's why it stuck in my head and I had to bring it I up mean, because who, who has such a fundamental misunderstanding of uh, of what rocks are <laughs> well okay so i am googling can diamonds burn i would assume that the temperature required would have to be uh counted in kelvins or something because <laughs> um, it would be so high i mean like maybe if well, you pitched one into the sun it would eventually fall to pieces much like myself it says <laughs> well okay so sort of Okay. The answer. Says, the answer is sort of. Diamonds will burn at about 1,562 degrees Fahrenheit or 850 Celsius. 1,500. That's low. Okay. House fires and jewelers' torches can reach that temperature. And then it shows a diamond that got sort of cloudy in a fire and then mm. was recut just to remove that burned part, which made it oh, smaller, okay. but it looks perfect. So it didn't like burn to ash or anything. It got damaged. Yeah. Um, the ultimate melting point of a diamond 
is uh, uh, 27 degrees Celsius or 7,280 Fahrenheit. That's more like so, it. Like it can. But that's the but surface not, of the sun. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's not, you, you can, but it's not probable in... And apparently you can raise them to higher temperatures if there's no oxygen involved. Sure, yeah. So point being, it's unlikely to, it's possible, but unlikely that your diamonds would be completely destroyed by fire. Also just, what a weird example to choose. (laughs) Yes, when you could just say like a painting (laughs) or something. Paintings burn. And and also just (laughs) quick quick aside for any heliologists who might be listening i know that the sun is not in thousands of degrees it's millions of degrees but it doesn't matter so just to head off the internet at yeah the i pass, just let that one go yeah <laughs> yeah let's, let's not dig into all of our mistakes don't correct chris on that other <laughs> things maybe but not on that <laughs> um all right we are we are over an hour what else would you like to talk about I actually, I was thinking we would be circling for a landing. You're right that there's something else on my list, but I, once again, I'm going to save it to avoid having to. You think so? Cause we're on a monthly in. show now. Oh, I guess we could go a little longer. Let's give, give the kids a little more. I, Cause right. I, I, I think I know what you're going to talk about and I don't want to boot it you, again. You also want to talk about it. Okay. Um, that I can't believe we haven't talked about yet. Mm-hmm. It is on Peacock in the States. It is mm-hmm. on, I want to say the W network in Canada. If like me, you have Amazon Prime, you can get the Stack TV add-on and you will find it there. That's why I got Stack TV. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, Tina Fey and Busy Phillips and Paula Pell and everyone else. Um, it, is, it is another Tina Fey show. Mm-hmm. in that she's the executive producer she's not the creator at the moment i am blanking on who is because i didn't write it down and then i thought we weren't <laughs> going to talk about it so i had let all of this out of my head um, <laughs> it stars uh paula pell busy phillips renee elise goldsbury and um sarah Bareilles, who is best known probably for broadway's waitress mm-hmm. um she created that musical and starred in it uh, initially obviously other people have played the role since uh they are a girl group from the 90s <laughs> so they're all meant to be somewhere in their 40s specific ages aren't necessarily mentioned yeah. the actresses themselves have a, a wider range than the characters maybe do yeah um with no disrespect to anybody i think everyone is so well cast that i will just you know believe that they're <laughs> aren't as many years as there are between say busy and paula because yeah i think busy is probably the youngest um, i think that's true yeah and she is about a year younger than i am so she'd be 42 now um in real life and i imagine i think she's the age that the characters are pretty much meant to be they were a girl group who would have been in kind of their early 20s in the late 90s Mm um who as as girl groups do, they broke up, they moved on, they had lives, and then <laughs> they sort of get the band back together. There is a fifth men- member named Ashley, who, uh, apologies for the spoiler, but it's taken care of in the very beginning of the first episode. Yeah, That character has died, so we see her in flashback only, but she's not 
So they that's why their girls five Eva is there were five of them, <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's one more than forever. Um, but there were because forever is not long enough. That's right. Because forever is too short. That's their theme oh, song. Damn. Um, forever is too short. They're going to be three together because that's one more than two together. Um, they have a cute little theme song. They so they had success in the '90s, but they mm. sort of blew up and and then collapsed pretty quickly. Have gone on to have lives, and then a much more modern <laughs> uh, musician samples one of their songs into one of his raps or something, and so all of a mm-hmm. sudden they they get residual checks, and this brings them back together, uh-huh. and uh, they reunite, and we have what is it six eight episodes of them eight, yeah. trying to restart this this group. So if I mean, if you enjoy sort of the Tina Fey comedy sensibility, which I'm sure we've covered can be a little problematic <laughs> at times. Yes, we know. But I think, I think you know, we learn and we improve. Um, so if in general you liked 30 Rock and uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and Great News, um, this is another one that is, is sort of coming from that same place comedically. <laughs> um, I like that it has... Uh, pretty much an all-female cast. Yeah. A few, we have a few dudes running around. Um, Izzy's <laughs> character is is pretty funny. She's the one who who can't really uh, hold a tune, but she can say sassy things as taglines. Sure. Um, useful skill. Useful skill, and she's <laughs> she's married to a member from a boy band from the same time, <laughs> but they don't live together and he's hardly ever available. And it's pretty obvious to all of us that he is super gay and pretending to be married to her at this point. Right. Okay. I um, forgot about that. But they're working on it. They're working on that relationship that they should absolutely abandon. And I hope we see that in season two. There is going to be a season two. <laughs> uh, one of the highlights of the season was a bit of an accident um, where uh, Sarah Bareilles' character needs to write a song very quickly. And she remembers the anecdote that I'm sure so many artists know of that Dolly Parton wrote two of her big hits in one day that Dolly Parton famously wrote um, both I Will Always Love You and Jolene on the same day. Which, wow. (laughs) Yeah. And so she, she looks... Wow, indeed. But I mean, as as amazing as Dolly Parton is, and as long as she's been working, that she only managed time. Like, it's not like she wrote hits every day of her life. (laughs) Even she only had that one lucky day, which is really where this episode goes in that. So she, you know, she she reads this about Dolly Parton and then she looks up what what does Dolly Parton do every day? Oh, sure. You know, how how much does she sleep? When does she get up? And one of the things she learns is Dolly writes before she eats anything. Now, is all this true about Dolly Parton? I don't know. suspect they so apparently she gets up and the first thing she does is write and then she goes and like gets dressed and eats and stuff so she decides this is what she's going to do and she's not going to eat until she has written a hit song mm-hmm. is how she interprets this information that's a lot of pressure this goes on for a while to yeah. the point that she hallucinates dolly parton coming <laughs> to help her out and this is where it's an accidental highlight because dolly parton 
in this episode is played by none other than Tina Fey uh-huh. doing an extremely hilarious Dolly Parton impersonation <laughs> that she clearly worked very hard on. Um, <laughs> and apparently I was, I was watching some interviews with Tina and apparently I can't remember if they had managed to get as far as booking Dolly or not, but okay. Tina was not supposed to play this role. Yeah, that would the be ult- a question I would have. <laughs> yeah, the ultimate goal, of course, would have been Dolly Parton. But the pandemic was a problem. Mm, right. So, and I, I honestly can't remember if they got as far as booking her and then had to call it off because of the pandemic or if they realized that it just couldn't be done. And even to bring in like another Dolly impersonator or someone yeah. like with, with uh, you know, this was pre-vaccination. And so with the, with the bubbling and the isolation that would be required and bringing somebody in for, you know, just one episode and the travel and it just yeah. wasn't, it would have been a nightmare. And so they, they couldn't do, and things were locked down. They couldn't mm-hmm. do it. And so they sort of were like, well, who's around? <laughs> oh, Tina. We're gonna put a wig on you. It's yeah. your job now. Um, so, and she she really does quite a good job. I mean, there's a whole outfit, um, and the the hair and the nails and the boobs and like they do the whole thing. And I, she clearly really did go and watch like a bunch of Dolly Parton footage and tried to get the accent right and tried to get the walk right and tried you know as much as as you can when you're not an impressionist and you're not. Mm-hmm. She does a pretty. She pulls it off and it's it's funny. Yeah. And one of the joys of it being a hallucination in a comedy is that it doesn't have to be perfect. You just have to know well, what it yeah. is. You're multiple layers deep already. <laughs> exactly. So you just you just have to sort of suspend a bit of your disbelief about what's going yeah. on here. And and it's very, very, very enjoyable. Uh fun fact, Busy's daughter on the show is played oh, right. by Tina's real life daughter in another case of we cast someone else and then due to the pandemic uh-huh. <laughs> that child was unavailable <laughs> and so now to to be fair to uh penelope is her real name she plays stevia yes <laughs> like the sweetener of course to be fair to penelope she actually had auditioned for the role and, and didn't get it oh okay um yeah she had wanted i guess have wanted to try acting and so they let her audition for you know with no uh like no interference from tina like we don't, yeah you're not think. don't cast her because she's my kid yeah but Let's give her she, a fair shake exactly she can audition like everybody else she auditioned she didn't get it the kid who did get it then couldn't travel because of the pandemic and yeah. so penelope ended up getting getting the part and does a couple of episodes and oh my goodness she's much older than i thought she was <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 30 Rock was longer ago than I like to think. Yeah. And uh, like, I just, it's one of those things where it's hiding that pregnancy on television. And now this kid is too, how old am I if that kid is that old? Oh no, um, <laughs> alarm know. bells, lock it down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, not entirely sure how old she is, but she looks to be like 11. <laughs> that kid's probably like six. So that's- Oops. At times a flat circle. What do I know? Um, <laughs> anyway, it's 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 a it's a lot of fun. Everyone gives a killer performance. I think I've spoken of my love for Paula Pell before. Mm-hmm. Um, she's just a hilarious lady. You can also watch her on AP Bio right now. She's one of those people lucky enough to have two shows. Yeah. She also 
uh, when Quibi was a thing, she did do a season of something called the Mableworth Murders, which wow. was like a murder she wrote type spoof. Okay. I subscribed to Quibi just to get it. Canceled once I'd watched it. Because <laughs> there's nothing else on there that I cared about at all. But it, it was worth that one month subscription. It was very funny. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, if we were still doing Talent Crush, I would need to do a whole episode on, on <laughs> Paula Pell. Um, if you want to hear her story tell, there is uh, an episode of Eugene Merman's podcast called Hold On that I was uh, lucky enough to be in the audience for the actual taping oh, of this. Right, yeah. um, it was at the 2018 Sketchfest. And it's the premise of the podcast is that people come on and tell strange or funny stories from their lives. And this hold on because where he has a quote. hold on you were what <laughs> you know it's it's very funny so there's an episode i i don't know what number it is um there's there's an episode that and the, the three people that he talks to are paula pell uh paget brewster and thomas lennon and mm, that right, is right, yeah that is worth seeking out you will hear paula pell's story she's up first and it being tough act to follow I gotta say she would have been because she tells the story of of accidentally getting arrested for weed in New York City in her <laughs> 50s um and then uh followed by Paget telling the story of the three days that she kind of accidentally worked in a brothel as a receptionist <laughs> okay note noted. as a receptionist <laughs> she would want me to say that I think that marrying the idea of three days and the eye of accidentally does beg the question. Well, it just, it came about for questionable 18 year old reasons. Like she was 18. All right. We all, we all know how smart we were not. She would want to, to state very clearly that she only worked there for three days and she only worked there as the receptionist. Um, not that there's anything wrong with sex work, but that's not what she was doing. <laughs> and then you get to hear Tom Lennon tell the story of the time that he met his idol, James Gandolfini, and it did not go well. <laughs> so I, I sure that's a good story. <laughs> it's a very good story. Um, and it it has an excellent ending. So um I highly recommend that you go and seek that out. Again, I don't know this, <laughs> I don't know the season. I can tell you that it was recorded in January of 2018, and I can tell you that it has. <laughs> Paula Pell, Paget Brewster, and Tom Lennon in it. If you can go and find that episode, it is well worth the hour. And uh, and you'll get the pleasure of hearing because so often Paula Pell writes for other people mm -hmm. or is doing scripted stuff, and you get the pleasure of hearing her tell a story in her own voice, and she is just absolutely hilarious. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, yeah, you you I, can go find out what a Manhattan blow dry is. Okay, <laughs> there's there's a tease. I'm not going to tell you just it's yeah. <laughs> um, I only saw the first episode of girls five Eva and uh, still of uh, Rutherford falls. And there's another Peacock oh, show too, just too, because yeah. I just, I'm not, I don't have Peacock in my rotation. I just have too mm -hmm. many streaming services. So this has been on my list for however many months it's been uh, since June. I'm looking at this yeah. now, um, but yeah, girls five the Eva, first one out for free. Is mm -hmm. that right? Uh, I think it might have all been in the free feed, but I don't know and I'm not going to look. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> take, take that. Uh, but yes, uh, created by Meredith Scardino was the answer to that from a minute ago. 
Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, it's too bad that you haven't seen more of it. We could talk more in depth. Um, yeah, I like all of these excellent people. jokes in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it really is a powerhouse cast. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get around to it eventually. <laughs> yeah, and we'll do another nodding at each other over the Zoom. We'll do another catch up episode <laughs> or something at some point of like, oh, now, now I finally watched that thing. <laughs> right. Well, and I, I wish I had watched it more recently. Yeah, uh, I, I actually went through every episode twice, but it's been now. Uh, I watched it when it came out, and so I've watched other things in between, and it's not as fresh as it was when it first made my list of things to talk about. I'm sure I had a lot more to say when it first made my list of things to talk about. Well, we'll see um, if we can also, be on don't the ball away... more for season two. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to give away too many of the jokes. Yeah. Is the other thing. Like a lot of the little bits that I would like to talk about, you really, you just have to see them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's the way comedy works sometimes. <laughs> Often. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was there anything else on your list that you wanted to squeeze in before we wrap? Um, I, uh, about a month ago, as we're talking, I had my congratulations to me, my first head cold since coronavirus started. Oh, and so I was home culture, <laughs> homesick for a week. But the reason that's relevant is wow. that I watched like a bajillion movies. Uh, uh, and so I'm trying to see if there is anything especial that is like mm. a thing that people should know about that's still relatively new. And I wanted to let's see i rewatched terminator dark fate which we may have talked about when it was new but since we talked about the original terminator a minute ago that's an amazing uh good entry in that franchise uh talking and reading and that's why my voice sounds like this um oh the hunt that was a movie that was oh. held uh because yeah. it was like politically sensitive the one with uh, betty gilpin right mm-hmm yeah, yeah, she's she's great that? in it. It was very it. entertaining. Um, mm -hmm. It was not as political commentary as the people who were afraid it would be thought it mm -hmm. would be. Okay, uh, but definitely recommended. It's got some violence for sure, but she's uh, yeah, she's a transfixing talent of an actor, as mm -hmm. we talked about with Glow. Um, yeah. And uh, what else is new? Um, I watched Gunpowder Milkshake. Just Karen Gillan and um, Carla Gugino and Lena Headey and Angela Bassett and Michelle Yeoh, just this sort of like powerhouse mm -hmm. of female action stars. Yeah, uh, that's one that's on my list. That's that's a real yeah. romp for sure. Um, <laughs> tiny, tiny lightning round. Um, <laughs> what else should people watch if you hadn't seen? Um, I'm trying to like be picky with my list because I'm literally looking at a list of like 50 movies from the last month. Wow. Because wow. when I'm homesick, I unplug from the universe. That's too many movies. That's Probably. a lot of movies. I don't know if wow. it's exactly 50. That may have been a little bit of, I, I watch 400 movies a year. So I average one and change per day. Wow. Mm -hmm. I do not. Um, so, okay. <laughs> let me, let me shout out a couple of things and then we'll wrap up. Uh, right. If you have not seen, please do see uh, Sunshine Cleaning. Amy Adams. Oh yes, that's Emily so good. Blunt, 2009. Love that movie. Yeah. Um, the Hurricane, Denzel Washington, the movie that he should have won his Oscar for and was instead given mm. it for Training Day the next year, I think, or two years later. Uh, broadcast News, uh, yep. Drive, Ryan Gosling and um, blanking on her name, his co-star. Google it and find to, out and watch this I would movie. love to help you, but I haven't seen it. <laughs> um, I finally watched Mystic Pizza, which I had never seen oh, before. There's wow. a classic. Oh, that is a classic. 
Uh, what else do we have? Oh, Heat, young Annabeth my... Gish. Young, young everybody in that movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Mystic Pizza, man. So good. Good times. Um, oh, this, this I should probably talk about more, but it's getting so much um, love online that maybe I don't need to. But James Gunn's The Suicide Squad is a tremendous, mm. tremendous James Gunn movie. Okay. Uh, it's so great. Um, it's also very much kind of like Jim Cameron. It's a flavor of movie making. So mm -hmm. if you're not into Super and Slither and other James Gunn joints, um, you might not be into it and that's fine, but it's tremendous and it's so much fun. I mean, he made the specials. So. He did. Yeah, so I might, <laughs> I might have a bit of a soft spot for... And two of my him. favorite movies of all time, the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Mm. Um, yeah, too too much good stuff to talk about. So I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it on James Gunn and Guardians. But uh, okay. any any of the stuff we've mentioned today, kids, do your googling and do your watching. <laughs> um, I'm just gonna do a quick pre recommendation with the caveat that I have not seen it, but I know that it will be brilliant. Uh, Coda <laughs> is out on Apple TV Plus. It's been out for a week or so. I've been meaning to watch it. I haven't gotten to it. I'm hoping for tonight uh, because it is something that I want to sit down and watch and not try to you know, be multitasking while I'm, while I'm watching it. Yeah. Um, it is, uh, it did big, big business at, at Sundance. Uh, hmm. It's the story of a coda and coda for those unfamiliar is spelled C-O-D-A, like the musical term, ironically, it means child of deaf adults. So it centers around hmm. a, a teenage girl who is the only hearing person in her family, the coda okay. in question, who discovers that she has a talent for music and singing. Mm. and uh, wants to pursue that in her life and how she balances that with coming from a family that can't fully enjoy or understand this huge part of her life. Yeah. Uh, although, you know, lots of deaf people love music. So let's not like not to generalize. It's not that they don't. Understood. Understood. Yeah. Um... <laughs> yeah. We're talking about specific characters. Yeah. Um, and they, you know, they run a fishing business and she has been kind of their de facto interpreter for most of her life as the only hearing person. She's been the go-between between them and the hearing world. And, yeah. and, and now she's at that age of like going to college and reconciling what that means for her future, for her family, for their future. Uh, this is all I know as I've not yet seen it, but I'm mm -hmm. very, I've been excited about it since I first heard about it, since I saw the first trailer. Um, it's they did cast deaf actors in deaf roles it stars a uh, friend of the show marley matlin <laughs> and i think i feel justified in saying friend of the show I, that when no we did objection. the episode on her she did yeah. talk to us so yeah. um yeah so i've as as longtime listeners will know i've been a fan of marley's since i was something like 12 um this is a, a huge deal and it it's one where um for unfortunately one one of very few times in history where deaf actors have all been cast in deaf roles and in fact yeah. they wanted to cast uh, a bigger name actor to play her husband they wanted a star and and to get a star would almost certainly mean hearing because yeah it's... name me a famous deaf actor that's not marley matlin i'll wait <laughs> um i'm gonna google famous deaf actors <laughs> can't can't do it can you that's part of the problem so uh yeah. anyway they i believe his name is troy kotzer i hope i'm saying that right okay um they but he is a deaf actor who was not famous but i think he might be about to be awesome <laughs> to, yeah to to play her husband and uh uh, yeah, it's just it's it's authentic casting, deaf people playing deaf people, hearing people playing hearing people. 
as it should be. And uh, I'm super, <laughs> super excited to watch this apparently wonderful family drama. The reviews have been incredible. So it's it's doing very well. It deserves to do well. It is one of those moments of let's show why representation matters and why we yeah. need to continue to do it. Like, I would love to see this movie get supported so that we can make more movies like it. Yeah. Um, not just with deaf actors, but with, you know, actors with other issues and disabilities. You know, there's no reason that blind people can't play blind people and that disabled actors shouldn't work more. And um, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's it's one of those moments when we get to show, oh, here's what we can do if you just let people who know what they're doing do it, you know. And yeah, and also playing roles where the whole story doesn't necessarily just revolve around this aspect of who they are. Yeah, because I, that's I how think... a lot of bit parts are cast. It's like, well, we need a character of this. Yeah, or we're, we're supposed to uh, represent people. Let's throw a deaf person in. For yeah, one scene. absolutely. And yeah. that's, no, they are playing leads here. Yeah. Well, supporting leads because the lead is Dakota herself, I suppose. Oh, but, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But still big, big, big parts for, for these actors. And yeah, yeah, there should be more of that. I see it happening slowly. I do. Sandra May Frank seems to be doing quite well. Mm -hmm. uh, I hope that Troy Kotzer will continue to do well. He's, you know, he's known in kind of deaf theater circles, but he's oh, not cool. known in the larger public. Um, I didn't know his name i didn't realize he was married to deanne bray arguably the only other deaf actor ever to have her own tv show mm. uh it was called fbi she played a lip reader for the fbi um, oh interesting yeah it's uh anyway it, it was fbi e y e <laughs> uh, sue, sue thomas fbi that's what it was the whole name was sue thomas fbi but the but the i in fbi was spelled like the i that's in your fun. Face. Uh -huh. um, yes <laughs> it's not a bad show honestly um <laughs> Anyway, so I just want to pre-recommend that if you have Apple TV, please watch it. If you don't have Apple TV, I imagine at some point there will be a way to watch it. It's in like select theaters in the States. Yeah. I haven't found it in theaters in Canada yet. I expect it that Apple just wants, you know, to have, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Where Awards they, eligibility? Exclusivity for a period <laughs> of time. Is what I, I think they probably want exclusivity for a period of time and then they'll probably like let you rent it or, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, anyway, but yeah, see Coda. Hopefully we'll be able to talk about that and other Apple TV things that I will pressure Stevie into watching on our I'll next watch episode. Ted Lasso. <laughs> it's I so know good. everyone says it's so good. I know. I'll watch Join it. us. Join <laughs> us on the bright side. <laughs> it's a cult. It's a Ted Lasso cult. It's a cult that will make you talk a little folksy and appreciate people. Oh, that's not so bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right well i think we should uh wrap it up chris what would you like to plug uh i i have so many things that i'm so perilously close to making progress on this is what i'm plugging is neuroses get some they're great, great. Cool. <laughs> <Wait. Okay. laughs> sure uh you can not find them at my website christopherrice.com instead find other things that i actually have finished um i'm hoping to have a, sincerely i'm hoping to have a couple of things by the end of the year both uh, finished projects and new things that i will talk about more into the future um say hi on twitter chris i'm royce uh you can find show notes and more at buddieswithourborders.tumblr.com say hi at Twitter at Buds W O Boards. Stevie Go. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Stevie KJ. That is uh, 
my name and those letters spelled out. So S-T-E-V-I-E-K-A-Y-J-A-Y. Family, you couldn't, couldn't get my long uh, my name long story. Uh, anyway, at Stevie KJ <laughs> on the social meds. Uh, my website is steviejackson.ca. Please go and watch Honestly Charlotte if you haven't. If you have, please go watch Honestly Charlotte again. And again also, and again and again. If you are uh, an actor listening to this. I am, whether you're in Vancouver or not, but it will help you if you're in the Pacific time zone, though you don't strictly need to be. Uh, I am newly working on the cold reading series in Vancouver, the long running CRS. I I say newly, I'm returning after an absence, I guess I used to volunteer with them. By popular Um, demand. I am, I am coming back in a kind of a co-producing capacity. And uh, we need actors to come and read scripts on what is, I believe, normally the first Monday of the month, but in September, it will be the second Monday of the month because Labor Day. So our next one is September 13th. Please go to coldreadingseries.com to submit yourself to read. If you're a writer of um, screenplays or plays, please submit. We're always looking for stuff, but um, there are lots of you of fun roles that you get to read, new work that people are uh, either polishing or have just in progress, or it's it's a really fun time. It's great networking. It's good people. Come join us. And it's all on Zoom, so it's pandemic safe. You can be anywhere. You could be anywhere. That's that's a very fun, broad <laughs> statement to leave you. Well, it, in, <laughs> you in, non-pandemic, <laughs> in non-pandemic times, it is a local event. Um, for the last year and a half, it has been an online event where yeah. we all do it from our homes. So uh, normally, of course, it's limited to people who can physically be in Vancouver at any given yeah. time. No, I just Current, was appreciating the aspirational yeah. sort of sound effects. Yeah, cur- currently, um, we are always in need of actors. We are always in need of good materials. So um, come and join us. And if you just want to see what it is and you're not comfortable to submit, then also you can feel free to just you know pay the five I think it's a $5 suggested donation um, Mm -hmm. and just come and, and sit in and watch. You just have to register online. Chris has been, he came and they read my script a while back. So um, it was fun fun time. Yeah. Yeah, It's a fun time. Uh, And we had a fun time. So we're going to say thank you for listening and staying subscribed. Thank you for your ratings and your reviews, which we would love to get some more of. So please Mm -hmm. click your way over to enter your five stars and say whatever you want. You just just click the five stars and then type things. You know what? Type gibberish. I don't care. Sure. Um, listen, also, if anyone leaves their phone near you, feel free to just pick it up and subscribe them to Buddies Without Borders. Yeah, so a little espionage. <laughs> <laughs> Let's by all means oh, did, encourage crime on the way out the door. <laughs> did, your, did your mom leave her phone lying around when you had lunch with her? We'll pick it up. Hit that subscribe button. Now your mom is our friend. <laughs> She'll love us. I'm very big with moms. There there you go. (laughs) I don't know how to add to that. I cannot yes and that statement. So listen to the music and we'll talk to you next time.